Welcome to the Hashtag Call to Scene podcast, the show focused on the strategic disruption of the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Hashtag Call to Scene podcast. I have a don't even know this person, but I was, it was, I got in contact with this person when, um, Tumblr decided to eliminate all porn from its site. So this should be, that's, if that's not a great opening, a teaser for you, I don't know what it is. So everybody, I'd like to introduce Dr. Kit Stubbs. So hi, yeah, I'm Kid Stubbs. I am the founder and executive director of the Effing Foundation for Sex Positivity. Uh, you heard that right, EFFING.org <laughs> is where we are. Um, I actually, so... Um, okay, stop, I, so it's fucking.org? EFFING.org. <laughs> I love yep. it. Go ahead. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. So um, I actually got my start in tech. So I have a PhD in robotics from Carnegie Mellon. And I was in academia for a while. I was in industry for a little bit. And then I started um, doing a lot of thinking around my gender, around sexuality. I started making very nerdy sex toys. Some of you may have seen... I made a dildo that has a tiny TARDIS inside it. That that went well on the internet. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I have a dildo that lights up. Uh, RGB LEDs. I have a rainbow glowing dildo. Um, and so I started talking on sex tech and meeting folks. And as I started meeting more like artists and educators doing this kind of sex positive activism, um, you know, I realized that what I really wanted to do was to build the organization that would help get resources to the folks doing this kind of work. And so the Effinga Foundation was born. Okay. Um, okay. So how are why is it important to cause a scene and how are you causing the scene? <laughs> Oh boy. So, I mean, in terms of, of our activism, right, the, one of the only ways that things can change is by causing a scene, is by getting loud, is by talking about sex and about sexuality and having frank conversations, um, making sure people have good fact-based information so they can make their own decisions about what they want to do with their bodies and their partners. Um, yeah, and, and because we live in this kind of very shamey, sex-negative society, that, that, like, that's the only option, saying anything in some sense is making a scene, you know, even at a very small level. And so... For me, like, you know, tr trying to use the privilege that I have to, to, to have a good impact. Like, yeah, it's, it's a lot of it is just talking about it. And for us and for the work of the foundation, it's trying to get money and resources and support to artists and educators to get their work and their experience out there. So people can just have these conversations, right? Just can we just normalize that we can just have conversations about sex? It's, an, it's an, a normal thing that many people do and some people don't. And that's, that's all fine. Um, and so, yeah, so we are causing a scene by ages by being here and by talking about sex and sexuality in frank ways. And we are in particular, we raise money. So we have a grant program. So we give grants to artists and educators to do sex positive artistic and or educational projects like grounded in their experience. Um, and so we are, you know, trying to help boost those voices and put more, more cool examples and resources and stories like out into the world. 
So let's start by, I am an educator by trade, and I want to make sure that we don't get in 45 minutes into the conversation. People are like, <laughs> can you define sex positivity? Oh boy, it's at the very sort of small, the sort of quick definition, um, I, I come back to Dr. Carol Queen, who at a very basic level says, you know, sex positivity refers to a radical stance, accepting everyone's sexual desires and choices, providing they're consensually engaged in. Like at a very basic level, it's like, hey, like everybody has the right to their own bodies, their own pleasure. You know, are you consensually engaging in something? Are you not doing harm? Um, we tend to see it as also more broadly than just like physical acts you're doing with your bodies, right? It is it is sort of an approach um, and, and sort of a whole viewpoint beyond that. But that's that's at the sort of basic level. It's just like, hey, we accept that people are sexual or, or asexual and we want people to be able to make sort of consensual choices with their partner or partners about what they do or again, what they don't do. We, we try to be inclusive of, of asexual folks as well. Absolutely. And so, um, as I said, I came to you because of the, the Tumblr um, situation. Oh, yeah. So I want to talk because I had some, I'm going to be honest. I had some preconceived, I had, no, not preconceived. I had one part of the, the perspective I have always usually starts if it's not, from a black woman's perspective, the next one is business strategies perspective, strategic. Um, and so I saw um, the business strategy part of it. And, um, and then people started um, commenting on uh, uh, about um, this is, is going to have a real impact on um, sex workers and things yep. that I don't, I'm not, at all familiar with. So let's talk about that because this is about, this podcast is about disrupting the status quo in technical organizations, communities, and events. And sex, you are absolutely right. It is the taboo of everywhere. And so let's, let's break down um, the Tumblr thing so that I and my audience can get an idea of it was, it, that act was more than just um, removing porn. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, and I have a, I have a links, I have links to a couple pieces that I can send you so y'all can, can check this out. Um, this is really a reaction to a couple of bills called FOSTA and SESTA. These bills were passed, um, in March. It was bipartisan support and sex workers, uh, in particular have been speaking out about these bills, um, you know, since, since, since they were first introduced. And basically, these bills claim to help victims of sex trafficking by holding websites criminally liable for content uploaded by their users. What? Oh, wow. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. No, that, um, that, but that makes <laughs> sense. Okay, that started um, because we're talking about risk management. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And so... Um, the Electronic Frontier Foundation has been certainly one organization leading the charge against it. They're basically saying, hey, whoa, whoa, now we're getting into like free speech issues. The terms are really vague and overreaching. I mean, th there have been, there's kind of so many impacts, right? So for sex workers, we've seen the takedown of like Backpage, Craig's, Craigslist Personals, places that sex workers were using to be able to vet clients. Um, those those have been taken away. So sex workers are, are less safe 
Um, and there are, there are actually now some concrete reports of like body count that we have um, as a direct result of these laws. Okay, and, it's gross. It's, and, it's disgusting. And could it be an outcome of the fact that in this country, sex work is illegal? Oh, why, yes, as a matter of fact. <laughs> Um, so the Effing Foundation um, follows Amnesty International's lead in calling for support of decriminalization of sex work. So this is not, I mean, and again, like, if I'm happy to connect you with sort of sex workers and sort of other folks more. So again, I'm also kind of adjacent, right? I'm not a sex worker. We try to support. Oh no, there will be other people on this show because this is a topic we're going to be talking about. So you're the first one. I am glad to hear. I'm glad (laughs) to hear just the start, right? Because there's so much here, so much here. Right. Um, And so decriminalization is the idea that having sex in exchange for anything of value, it's just not a crime. Um, And Sex, sex workers, sex workers um, like SWAP, the Sex Worker Outreach Project organization is one, have been calling for this um, for years, right? So if sex work is no longer a crime, then, you know, sex workers don't have to be, have to be, can be less afraid of like violence by police. If they're experiencing violence from a client, um, they can go to police. And now the sex work part isn't a crime and we can address whatever yes. problems okay. are actually happening. Okay. Um, and so for people, for instance, there, there certainly are people who are in the sex trade and they don't want to be there, right? Trafficking victims. Then they aren't going to, going to feel scared to go to authorities because they've been committing a crime. Mm-hmm. When sex work is not a crime, yeah, we can help people who don't want to be there. We can make it easier for like, ideally, right. You help people who get out, who want to get out to get out, give them options. But for the folks who are engaging in consensual sex work, because that is what they want to do, you're not continuing to punish them mm-hmm. and harm them. So, so this bill was the idea of, oh, well, we just, you know, we'll, we'll make it harder for the sex traffickers by preventing speech. No, no, you're making it, you're making it harder for sex workers to do the work safely or safer. Um, and then as you take away those connections and resources, then you end up with sex workers. Then you start to need a pimp, right? Because you can't, you know, if you can't find uh, clients, you're going to need, right? Mm-hmm. A man who has, who can get a bank account, who has mm-hmm. access to those resources that you can't get because you're, you're in the sex economy. And mm-hmm. so it's just, Oh, it's awful. And so now that websites are potentially are like criminally liable for talk around sex, then the easiest thing to do is just shut it down completely. And that, you know, that hurts not only, you know, sex workers who may who may need safe ways to find clients, but we're starting to see pushback on, you know, talk about sexual identities. And that hurts mm, yes. queer, you know, LGBTQIA yes. plus folks, folks yes. who are kinky, folks who yes. have are maybe poly I'm right. There's this it's like sex workers are, you know, have called themselves kind of the canary in the coal mine. Like, yeah, okay, that's what I'm saying. So, it's exactly, it's that 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 beginning. They're the tip of the iceberg of this big this 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 thing. And yeah. so that's what I want to have. And I was just really fascinated because I, I post stuff all the time, and I love when people add perspective that I just don't have. Mm-hmm. And I love to have these conversations because when we're talking about um, improving inclusion and diversity for marginalized and vulnerable people. They can't, we can't pick and choose who those people are. Yep. Yep. They have to be those people who are on the margins and sex workers are on the margin. And one of the things that got me really, that really, I guess really triggered me to have this conversation 
was because um, my hashtag, I've been focusing hashtag cause a scene on um, the transgender community. Mm-hmm. Um, because even as a black woman, they are way more marginalized than I am. And then black transgender women are being slaughtered. Oh, it's, yes, it's yeah, awful. Exactly. And so it's, it's this, is, this is why I wanted to have this conversation because I don't want people to walk away with, this is not just a conversation about, although it is, it's not just a conversation about consensual sex or polyamory or asexual. It's not, it's not that kind of, it is about we're creating products and services as a technical community that are impacting the safety of customers and clients. And these are the things we need to think about. And so one of the things I was saying about the Tumblr situation is intention means nothing. It's about impact. Mm -hmm. And so it, it happens when you have these, these, these individuals who create products and services and don't really think, oh, it's a great idea, but don't think about all the moving parts or they may have like, oh, this is my ideal customer. But once you recognize that your customer or client has changed and you haven't shifted your perspective on how to best serve that customer or client, then you are, there is a problem there. Yeah. Well, I mean, and you look at the impacts of things like real names. Yeah. Again, oh, yeah. A huge community there, right? Not only sex workers, folks who are queer are trans. May no, not be you know what? Not even just, just not even that. The more I've been talking about white supremacy and racism, I've been trying to clear stuff, making sure my personal information is not on internet or whatever. And I can't even do a false name on, on um, Facebook anymore. Mm-hmm. So I've had to t- tell my family and friends, make sure they, you do not uh, um, label me as a family and friend because I don't want them coming. I don't even do anything on Facebook for that reason because I don't want yep. anybody to get access to those people who I love and care about. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I didn't even, I, I'm so surprised. I didn't know Craigslist had shut down their... Um, their mm-hmm. their personals. Wow. Yeah, yeah. one of the because they were famous for it. <laughs> I know. Well, and one of the lawsuit, I believe, one of the lawsuits going on right now actually involves a massage therapist. So, um, like, so you know, there's there's sort of like, how can you? There's there's a couple of lawsuits going to try and sort of pick pick at this. And sort of one approach is, I believe, there is a massage therapist who was using. Um, Craigslist personals as a way to find massage therapy clients and then kind of suing as like, you know, she's losing access to her work and her clients. Um, another one that I know, the Woodhull Sexual Freedom Summit, um, Woodhull, uh, the Woodhull Sexual Freedom Foundation is a great org and they... FOSTA SESTA was passed like a few months before their annual conference and they, you know, wanted to have a track basically by sex workers and let sex workers network and share information and you know, educate, you know, share resources with each other, educate other folks. And there was this concern: Well, can we now not talk about this mm. because of FOSTA SESTA? Because are we are we then offering you know support, you know, support of sex work? I mean, it's mm-hmm. just oh, it's gross. It's very convoluted. It's very. It's it's like you you just threw a a there's a fire in 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 the fireplace, but you just threw water on the whole house. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of you kind of did. And so the frustration of lawmakers not listening to sex workers, not believing sex workers. Um unfortunately, you know, a lot of sex trafficking organizations um don't, you know, maybe 
and well, some of them are kind of have this evangelical approach and they tend to be very sort of, yeah, sex work negative. And it's like, oh yeah, this is a crime. We have to save the poor people engaged in this crime. And it's like, you aren't like, wait, wait, y'all aren't sex workers. Like, what are you? And, I, and I've, I've, I've seen, I've heard this when you, when people talk about porn, let's, let's get back to that. that like, sure. Oh, I mean, there's this, this idea that everybody who's doing porn is doing it by force. And so yeah, like, it's not true. I and know, so, like. so for, for cons- if there's a consumer out there who's concerned, how, I guess I'm trying to figure out how, what is, what is the, the, I'm not even going to say the happy medium. Cause that sounds like a sex position. Good Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so where, where do we, how do, how do we protect if the, if, if the law is, is intended to protect people who are being trafficked, how do we grab those individuals and not, again, throw water on the house? Based on what I've seen, right? So the, the first thing is like, you know, support decriminalization, right? That's what sex workers themselves are calling for. That makes it easier. That will make it easier for folks to be able to get out who don't want to be there. In terms of looking at your porn and where you're getting your porn, um, pay for your porn. And as much as you can, pay providers directly. So people who are running their own sites, that's great. Um, Clips for sale. I've heard uh, porn performers talk well about that, where they have, they get a greater percentage of the funds that come back through. Right. So it's, it's kind of a mix of things, but yeah, part of it is like, yeah, pay for your porn. If you can Um, work with folks directly, there are, you know, you can look for sort of feminist porn, ethically produced porn, ideally like, if you can get as much money to the performer themselves, the better, right? The more people you can kind of cut off of the chain who are all sitting there kind of taking their cut, like the more directly you can help the performers um, who are actually trying to make a living. Okay, so now you're talking about like, this sounds like a regular fucking job. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. So, yeah. exactly. Sex work is work. Exactly. <laughs> so that's what I, I'm happy you're breaking it down like that because that's exactly what I, I'm trying to get to. So it's just like, I don't need, you know, um, I already know FICA is going to come out and I already know insurance is going to come out and I already know, but I don't need the, the John Doe on the street taking, um, having a tax into my income and, and then the person down the street having a tax into my income and before it gets to me. Um, yeah. And then it reminds me of some very other exploitative, and this this is not your expertise, but it just reminds me of other areas of that uh, when you talk, of, first of all, performers and all these people who get their cuts. When you talk about the music industry, mm. you know, um, how the you have to have all, and, and, and when, and, and even in theater, uh, films, and when Tyler Perry first started doing his stuff and he was, Tyler Perry producer and written writer and and people are like this is ego this is it's not this is all those buckets that he yep. gets to claim and put money into so that it goes into his pocket rather than I look at when I look at a, people say why did TLC go bankrupt they weren't writing their songs they weren't all they did was sing their songs and so they had all these first of all you go into debt for concerts you go into debt for videos you go into debt for all these other things. And then you end up, they get paid first, of course, and then you end up um, getting pennies on the dollar. So it just, it reminds me of 
I like these parallels because I like to draw people's um, attention to that this happens across industries, across people, Mm -hmm. across people who are being oppressed and and taken advantage of by systems that are being put in place for those reasons. Yeah. I mean, no, it absolutely is. And like, you've got, you know, you you can talk about porn performer, like there's, or, or other sort of cam workers, people doing photography. I mean, it's like, you know, Patreon has had a big push to cut down on adult content. I mean, there's like so many folks, artists, um, you know, artists doing commissions and comic, like there's so many things and it's, it's all running into the same problem. It's like, how do you actually get money? You know, when people want to give you money, like how do you actually, how can you make that happen? And it's becoming increasingly difficult. I mean, and that's, and that's actually, it took me almost like five years to launch this nonprofit because at first, like I couldn't, well, at first I was like, Oh, maybe this will be like a for-profit thing. It'll be like Kickstarter, but for sex stuff, that'll be great. No, I couldn't find payment processing. Try okay, so find- let's talk about that because that's oh. another thing. Uh, yeah, let's talk about that because that's something mm-hmm. else. Uh, and that's technology right now. Let's talk about payment processing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, trying to get payment processing, especially like trying to do it as a for-profit, like was never going to work. Now, one of the reasons why we sort of moved to this not-for-profit model, A, because I, it's not like I'm, I'm not trying to do this to get rich, <laughs> but like it's, you know, it should that needs to happen. And so as a nonprofit, then we can be here and like, we can be like, look, oh, we got this 5501c3 designation. Like, you know, and we, we were able to find a local bank to work with us. The first bank, I, the first bank account I had for 30 minutes, I had for 30 minutes before somebody looked at my domain, went to the website and gave me a call. And they were like, okay, wait, is this, is this you? This was like my blog, like my blog, like Toymaker Project was the first name. And they're like, wait, is this you? And I'm like, yeah, can I get... And they were like, no, we don't want to do business with you. Oh, wow. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was just sex toys. That was just sex toys, which is like the tamest end. Was this was this like a... Um, um, you don't have to name the bank, but was this like a national bank chain? No, this was a local bank. And they were just like, nope. Um, fortunately, we now have a bank that knows exactly what we yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. And they're on board. Thank God. But like, I'm in, right, I'm on the East Coast. I'm in Boston. Like, heaven help you if you want to try to start something in many other parts of the country. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately. Because it's like, there's all, right? There's all the gatekeeping. There's all the shame around sex. There's the fear of, you know, oh, well, what if, you know, if we support this sex positive effort, you know, and someone finds out, you know, people find out. It's just like, ah, yeah, it's awful. So, so, so it's just, okay. So you're just telling me so many things. Cause it's like, it, 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 good God. So it's, it's yep. not, so it's not just a business, having a business idea. If you're trying to have a business that's related around sex, mm-hmm. then there's so many gatekeepers that, that, that I doing a business consulting business do not have to deal with and don't even know that they're out there. Yeah. It's so how does, how, how, how are these porn sites making money? How are they getting around all this stuff? Part of it is money actually like you need, in some sense you need money to make more money. And after a certain point, your problems kind of go away. Okay. So if you're, you know how it is, right? Money, money makes more money. Investing, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. you're sitting on a ton of money. It's real easy to invest and like and get your get yourself a return. If you're if you've if you've been able to, if you've had the privilege to get into the business and get started, 
Then as you're around long enough, you have a track record, you're not getting too many chargebacks and you get volume. I mean, after a while, like money... Yeah, they're gonna. Yeah, they're gonna like whatever. Because you're a valuable client, and you're pulling it. You know, but if you're if you're new and trying to get started, it is. Yeah, it is really really difficult. Um, We have so one of our one of the foundation's pilot grants was a film called Hole, which is a queer um, experimental performance film. May or may not be porn, depending on who you ask, because what is porn anyway, which is a whole other question. And, you know, they they would like have been trying to find a way to like set up, a you know, run their website. And it's like, well, we want to make queer, ethically produced porn. How do we do that? Everyone in the hashtag call the scene community shares the same common beliefs based on a set of four specific guiding principles. One, tech is not neutral, nor is it apolitical. Two, intention without strategy is chaos. Three, lack of inclusion is a risk and increasingly a crisis management issue. And lastly, but most importantly, four, we must prioritize the most vulnerable. To find out more about the guiding principles and adding them to your Twitter profile banner, please visit hashtag causeascene.com. How do we do that? And it's really tough, right? You know, people it's like, oh yeah, you know, there's Pornhub and whatever. And it's just, there's a whole bunch of issues there involving sort of piracy and people not actually being paid barely for their content. I mean, it's, I don't know, that, that's a, that, that whole ecosystem is just so messed up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like if you're an established site and you've been in the business long enough and you start growing your clientele and yeah, then it's just a large enough volume of money that like... You get you can you can you can get what you want, but for folks trying to start out, especially, it is it is brutal. So, how big is the sex tech space? <laughs> ah, so in the, when we're talking about sex tech, then you're usually you're often talking about sort of sex toys. Then you get into like websites, and I guess I don't. <sighs> <laughs> I'm just like, well, like the whole sex toy industry, <laughs> plus all the websites serving porn. And now you've got like VR coming in there. I mean, yeah. you know, you're well within like billions of dollars, I believe it. Yeah. Um, and the problem, because white supremacy, right, is the people who have the resources to get into those businesses, right, are going to probably be white. Yeah. They're often going to be men, mm-hmm. uh, cishet. They're going to, you know, they're going to be well off to be able to be in those industries. And then you have communities, say, like people with disabilities that are sorely neglected. Um, sex toys particularly designed for, you know, people with disabilities, like few and far between. Yeah. And, and so breaking into that, uh, for instance, as a market, it's like, no, it's there. Yeah. Um, but trying to break in is incredibly difficult because the folks with disabilities don't have the resources and often can't accumulate the resources because of the way. Oh um, wow! Oh my God! This is like a this is a deep rabbit hole. Just, it, <laughs> yeah, it really is. It turns out, yeah, yeah. It's there's wow. so many, there's so many issues, and so you know to yeah to to be anywhere in the space is is certainly making a scene, but. Particularly, you know, when we're trying to get more women and or trans folks and or, you know, people of color, people with disabilities and chronic illnesses, like then it just sort of... And it's so interesting because you just said that, and this is going to sound so shitty, but it's so true. We often think of people with disabilities as asexual. Oh, yeah. You know? Um, 
Yep. And I, there's a great activist, Andrew Guerza. I will make sure I add a link to his stuff as well. Um, he's been, he's a great, he's a, he's a kinky gay dude, a wheelchair user in Canada. And like, he is, he's got a whole disability after dark podcast. Yeah. There's this whole issue around sort of not, yeah, seeing, unfortunately, like seeing folks with disabilities as asexual, you know, when many of them may not be, may not want to be, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. trying to provide good sex ed that's mm-hmm. inclusive of mm-hmm. people with disabilities among, oh, d- the whole like having good sex ed is its own, like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Oh, trust me. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another thing that like <laughs> we're kind of, we're kind of trying to work on, right? Oh, but, my like, Lord. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a big space. It's a really. I remember my um. I had a yeah. at a mentee. She just went off to college, and I know her parents hadn't had the conversation. And I had been traveling all year, and I was like, and they were like, and I said, so when did she leave for college? And it was on a Monday, like Wednesday. I was like, oh shit, okay, wait a minute, hold on. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I was like, I gotta wake up. And so um, here, there's a, a dollar movie on Tuesday. I was like, oh, I was trying to get. I was like, let's go to the dollar movie on Tuesday. As soon as she got into the car, I was like. So what do you know about masturbation? I was just like, let's, let's talk about, because I'm like, I need you to own your own pleasure. I need you right now to know that you're, you're no other person is responsible and that you don't have to stay with or rely on or depend on somebody else for your own sexual pleasure. Because the sex drive is one of the strongest drives we have beyond eating. So it's like, we don't talk about it. We do not. I remember I used to have a podcast because um, I'm, I'm a former teacher. Mm-hmm. I used to have a podcast called Real Talk for Real Teens because I got so sick of just ignorance and just people just not telling them anything. And so one of the conversations, I mean, I used to talk about sex all the time. So I had these two, mm-hmm. t- these two teens who were working with, I think it was Planned Parenthood, and they were going into different schools talking about um, sex and nav- navigating, negotiating sexual experience and stuff. And so they had given me their little spiel, and, I, and I'm very good. I love getting people like... Um, shocking them or getting them just a little bit off there. Cause I said, Oh, so, um, so, so you're, you're, um, you're negotiating the condom and stuff. I said, so what happens when he, um, he walks up to you and blows on your, in your, in your vagina gets a little wet. Are you going to have, what, 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 what are you going to say then? She was like, uh, 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 uh. I was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> you need to have these conversations before you get to the place where you can't control your body <laughs> because it's going to happen. Um, and these are the conversations that we're not having. We continue to not have. Um, my background is in youth development. And so um, one of the things I used to work in the projects in, in Chicago, and one of the things is like, abstinence programs do not work. There is nothing research thing over and over again that nothing about those those programs prove that a young person did not have sex due to that or any other thing. Um, And what is most beneficial is to provide education and information on how to use the tools of sex and how to negotiate safe sex and consensual sex conversations. That is what is proven over and over again to work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And actually, I'm really excited. So one of our, for this year, one of our grant candidates is an educator from San Francisco, Jess Melendez. And she is, we're going to help her publish her a book called Birds, Bees, Porn, which is a porn like literacy guide for teens and their parents. 
sex positive, queer and trans inclusive. Like, hey, here are the things you might see. Let's talk real, right? Like, here, here's what you should be aware of. And like, and one of the things that's getting me though is when I was growing up, I, there was no porn on TV. There wasn't that. There was no internet. There was no porn. I have. There are kids who are looking at porn just on their iPads, their parents have no clue what the hell they're doing and no one's talking to them about this. So now we have yeah. a generation of kids who think, oh, everybody wants somebody to come in their face. Um, everybody wants it in the ass. Every, I mean, all these things that it, they seem to be like, oh, that's consensual. That, that's the thing. But that is not a conversation about sex. Nope. No, I mean, so here's the thing, right? I am not like I'm, I'm basically pro porn, but porn is not education. Exactly. Exactly. Because if you're not, if you're not providing good education in schools and parents don't want to talk to their kids about sex, I understand (laughs) the entirety of the talk that I got from my parents growing up. um, I grew up in a very like religious family. So I got the sort of abstinence stuff through Sunday school. And then the only thing my parents said was be good. Didn't work. (laughs) Oh, everybody has, a different defin- everybody has a different definition of good. So I'm like, well, dude, whatever the hell that means. Yeah. Um, thankfully, my mom was more, my mom was the kind of person who, if one of my friends had, you know, I mean, she did it. If they, they, they well, a friend of mine needed, needed an abortion. My mom went down to the abortion clinic oh, with her. Um, oh my goodness. Yes. Um, she, cause you know, you need somebody there with you um, kind of thing. Um, and so I, thankfully when I started asking questions, my mom started answering questions. And again, this was pre-internet. So I didn't have, yeah. um, or just like, just when you talk about sex workers, just like strippers, they have such a negative connotation of who they are. These are the most athletic individuals in the freaking world. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no. Dancers. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. And so it's like, you know, we need more tools for parent, you know, ideally, right. We want queer and trans disability, inclusive, fact-based sex education, every age appropriate. When they're little, you can start talking about bodies and giving permission and like, you can start having very basic conversations. You, you talk to kids where they're at. Yes, As they grow. Then they ask more questions, and you can you can go there. A, that was my mom's right. pro- process. <laughs> yeah, and so you know you need that. You need resources for parents. Um, and yeah, yeah, no porn. Porn being someone's only way to learn. Like, no, you're not. You're not really learning. It's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's and not then helpful. it's it, and then that's the impact of tech, though. And I talk about this all the time. We in the tech industry have done a very good job of making consumers believe that we know everything that we don't make mistakes and tech is perfect. Hmm. And I just see, I mean, just in regular products and services, that's a shit show. Now I'm talking about my sexuality or my child's sexuality or the sexuality of the community. And, and, and when, and, and we're still moving fast and breaking things. Yeah. Yeah, no. I mean, as a non-binary person, I can tell you being on the internet and the number of times my only options are male and female. Okay, I, I want to have a conversation with you, if you don't mind. Explain okay. to... Because um, I, I, I like to break things down. What What is non-binary? So for, for me, a non-binary gender identity just says that, well, whatever my gender is, if the only system is the radio buttons, right? The either or of man and woman, I am not that. You know, and so different people 
you know, we'll, we'll take that into four ways, but that's what it means to me is like, if, if, if what gender is to you is a system where there are, is one box for man, one box for woman. And those are the only options. My, my gender is, is fuck. No. So how did you come to that? So, you know, I certainly, I, I cannot, you know, I'm absolutely, this is only my experience. Like I very much like I, I was born, I was assigned female at birth. I was a girl for a long time. I was a woman for a long time. You know, I was a woman like well through grad school. You know, I was in like women in computer science org at Carnegie Mellon, all that good stuff. And then after a while, for me, the label and the feeling of woman just started to feel not quite right. It's to me, I feel like it's like a like a snake shedding skin almost, right? It's like I'm like, ah, oh, this isn't quite right. I'm like, I don't know that woman is really right. Just something about it just doesn't feel quite right. And then I looked and I was like, well, man, am I man? And I'm like, no, nope, definitely not man. <laughs> Pretty sure I'm not really woman either. Mm-hmm. And so it was this sort of gradual process over time of going, okay, maybe I'm gender queer. What does that mean? I was like, And then once I started to hear the term non-binary, I was like, yeah, like, I think that's how I feel that my gender, you know, such as it is, like, it's just not man or woman. Like, I'm uh, identify as a non-binary femme to make things even even weirder, where it's like, yeah, like, my presentation tends to be pretty femme, but I use they, them pronouns. Um, I change my name to something I feel is gender neutral. And I'm, I'm more comfortable just being like, oh, gender binary, it's not me. I really kind of like fuck the gender binary in general. But like, everybody in my mind, each individual person is the ultimate authority on their own gender. So whatever mm. you your gender is, mm-hmm. your pronouns are, your name is, okay, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what it is. And mm-hmm. it, may, it may change. Okay, I'll do my best, you know? And so yeah. for me, yeah, that's that's been my sort of weird... And thank you for process. that, because that's, that's, again, a conversation that tech is struggling with. Because, again, we keep putting these radio buttons or we keep... Um, or when we try it, the other doesn't work because no one's an other. No one wants to be a fucking other. Um, I'll um, click it. I'm not happy about it, but I'll click it if it's yeah, exactly. That's the only damn option I have. Yeah, I was like, all right. Um, and, and and these are conversations again that we that are complex. I still don't understand them because my I I identify as a woman, so it's like, and that's why I want to. Again, that's why this, to me, it's so important that we make space for these voices because we don't have the perspective and we keep fucking up because we don't invite these people to the table. And that these people includes me, you know, we're not invited to the table and this hetero cis white man thing is fucking everything up. And it's nothing wrong with being a cis white man, but you're not the only thing that's here. Right. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. the only thing that's here. And one of the things that I, and I'm, and, and oh, this seems to be a good time to ask this question because one of the things I hear a lot now is, oh, wow. Every, now everybody wants to be non-binary. It's, it's like, no one talked about this in the past. And why is, is this like the thing to do as if it's a trend or a fad? How do you respond? How would you, how would you, or have you responded to that? What I say is look like trans and non-binary people have always existed. Like you go back in history, you go back across cultures. But what happens is, you know, as as people start to find a term or I, term or identity, especially over the internet, and that then that spreads, and then people can look and go, oh yeah, like I did. My experience goes, oh yeah, yeah. I think non-binary is a better word than I've ever heard mm. to 
capture my experience. So sure, it sounds like a trend because people are learning this term and we're seeing you know, slowly but surely more trans and non and or non-binary representation like in media. If you don't see the thing, you don't hear the word. You don't know the thing doesn't even exist. Yup. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's the one thing I've been saying about just being um, a black female um, working to dismantle white supremacy. I never would have had these conversations before now. Because no one in my, even in my family, we, we may, you know, black people whisper about these things, but no one's talking about it like this. And then if we are, it's just in our family. We don't recognize that it's something that's a systemic thing. And that's, and, and, and the more you connect the dots across the globe, then you're like, wait a minute, this shit is not just me. <laughs> Yeah. And that's exactly it. And so I understand how it could seem sudden or, I mean, don't even get me started on, on sudden onset gender dysphoria bullshit. But you're like, oh, these kids are suddenly trans. Okay. No, no, uh, no. Get started. I want to, let's talk about this. We have time. So let's talk about this. I want to get it in because this is another conversation that I wanted to talk about. It's like, oh, oh, everybody's all of a sudden trans. No, they're not all of a sudden trans. They just all of a sudden have a fucking word to put to it. They have a word to put to it. And this may be the first time they are comfortable telling you. Yes, exactly. You know, this this may be something this, this kid has struggled with for years. And I talked to some of my trans friends and they like, you know, so for me, I did not always know I was trans. For me, it was a thing I came into later in life. Other folks, they have known. Yeah. They have known since as long as they can remember, but they maybe weren't ready to tell you they didn't feel safe. And yes. well, yeah, no shit. You look at some of the reactions of these folks, like no yeah. wonder the, yeah. the, crap the trans kids are put through. So yeah, like, yeah, it may seem awful sudden to you because it took them years to be, be able to maybe think that they could share something this important about their identity. Um, yeah, no. no. And, and it goes back to what you were talking about. You're in Boston. Let, go back to, let's take full circle, the bank. Um, when you're in a town where you're it, there's no community. Where's the psychological safety in that? But you can find that community online. This is why I, I can tell when someone's privileged as fuck when they say, oh, we need to burn down Twitter. Twitter is a straight shit show. I absolutely agree with that. Yep. But it is a place where marginalized people have consistently found their community and there's no way in fuck we're going to get off Twitter because of some assholes. Because this is where I have found, you have found, like hell, I found you via Twitter. Um, <laughs> I never would have known you existed had it not been for Twitter. And um, this is what Jack at Twitter needs to understand, that there's the potential to do great great service to the community, to the globe right now, instead of doing the great harm that you're doing by not, by not prioritizing the needs and safety of the most vulnerable and marginalized in our communities. Our voices need to be over cis white men. I'm sorry. They just need. Yep. Oh yeah. And over, and over white people. Yes. Over cis head people. I mean like, yeah. And again, I am so thankful for Twitter because it was through, through Twitter and sort of those communities that I could start hearing about the word non-binary. I could start meeting non-binary other non-binary people meeting more trans people yeah. like, again i'm very privileged like to be in boston there, you know i've got some community here but like i grew up in missouri like, yeah I, I agree like you're like oh just get off twitter no you know <laughs> you, you know i got and it's always somebody and it's always at twitter so- and you're so you're so angry and sad i'm like 
but my people are here. Yeah, and, and this it's is always how I'm gonna learn things. And it's usually some person who can go build their own shit anyway. So shut the hell up talking to me. You know what I'm saying? You have a, you have resources. Somebody's gonna fund it. Whatever. You're gonna go and do whatever you need to do. I'm not my. If I go to, I forgot that other uh, platforms called starts with the M. Oh, um, Mastodon. Yeah, people like go to. I'm like go. I'm not going there. People, I am, are on Twitter. Black Twitter's there. My friends are there. Hashtag cause the scene is there. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean, I use I use Facebook. I can get away with sort of as little Facebook as possible. Um, I never, I never was really that into Facebook. So it's kind of like, all right, I can pretty much avoid Facebook except for some work stuff. But yeah, no, for me, same like Twitter is. Yeah. So Facebook, like I said, people, yeah. Facebook is that thing that I leave reserved from family and friends just to check in. Mm -hmm. So I don't do any work on that because God knows I don't need them stressing out about what I'm doing. (laughs) Um, I try to keep them in their little cocoon and so, yeah, Twitter is that thing that I can have a conversation. I can call people out. I can, I can, I can learn. I can amplify other people's voices. I, I mean, I get so many resources. I learn something every day in yeah. this space. Yeah, I'm grateful. I'm really grateful. I'm grateful for all the people from from various marginalized communities who are willing to go out and say things on Twitter. Because, yeah, I mean, I fuck up and always learning and. I am. I'm so thankful for it. And so, yeah, no, I don't want Twitter to just disappear, but I want them to do a fucking better job. Yeah. Yeah. I need you to protect us um, because, uh, because the first, the group that gets silenced are the marginalized. Yeah. Yeah. So in our, in your final moments, what would you like to say? How, How would you like to end this podcast? Oh man. So thank you again for having me. I, I, I'm very humbled and grateful for the opportunity. I guess, you know, for, uh, you know, I got to, so I got to put a plug out there for the Effing Foundation, right? So if you have, if you have dollars in your charity budget, if you have the resources, um, please consider making a gift, EFFING.org. 60% of our grant dollars go to projects that are led by teams who are all people of color. 30% of our grant dollars go to teams who are folks who are all gender minorities. Um, a lot more stuff. I'll, you know, you'll, you'll get the link. You can check it out, yes. but please consider us. Um, but yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. I think a lot of the things that we talked about today, especially text impact on marginalized people and marginalized communities, that's huge. And you know, you're going to see, you see what's happened with Tumblr and what's happening with Facebook, right? It started with the sex workers, but besides harming the sex workers, we're now moving into queer and trans folk, LGBTQ mm-hmm. plus folks. Um, you know, hey, so, you know, speak up when you can, amplify others' voices when you can. Yeah, because um, I, I don't know where this quote comes, if, but it's, I mean, I'm about to fuck it up, but it, it, it'll come for you next, you know, yeah. it, it'll come for you next. And this is where um, I talk a lot about um, the oppression, white supremacy, racism, privilege is a parasite. And for the first time, it's eaten on its host. And this is why white people, white men, white women are so freaking out right now because they've never had to deal with the oppression that marginalized individuals have lived with our whole lives. And they don't have the resiliency because they don't have the skills um, to continue to... Because the fact that s- descendants of slaves are still existing is huge. Yeah, <laughs> We should be gone. Um, based on the trauma that we've we've experienced from then until and, and, and continues today. Yep. So thank you so much, and I'm so happy. I know this convers this conversation, everybody was kind of all over the place, but I'm so happy you were the perfect first person to come on here because it was. I like to. St- I'm a I'm a forest and trees person, so you gave me the forest. 
So now when these other individuals come on, we can talk about the trees. So thank you so much because this is such an important conversation. And um, I mean, the, the, the ones of us who choose to have sex should be able to have sex how we want to have sex, um, yeah. unencumbered and, and sex positive. So thank yeah. you and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Hashtag Causing Podcast. And I'd like to thank all our current sponsors of the podcast and the Hashtag Causing Movement. Of course, we strongly encourage everyone to become an individual sponsor of the Hashtag Causing community. Just visit the website at HashtagCausing.com to sign up today. On behalf of everyone here at Hashtag Causing, we'd like to thank you again for listening to today's show and have a wonderful day.